Just about as, uh, uh, as a church, um, just um, the things that we feel like God's given us is, is ways to chase after him, ways to grow in him and to know him more. And uh, so that's what we're going to continue talking about today. Last week we talked about the importance of scripture. This week we're going to talk about the importance of prayer. And uh, so that's what we're going to jump into here today. And um, before we do that, we're going to pray. All right, so let's do that. God, we thank you for uh, your faithfulness and we thank you for your word. And we pray um, that as we step into this moment, God, that you will speak to us. Father, we pray, Lord, that our, our desires, God, that our, our feelings, God, that our interest, God, they will all be shifted to your will, to your heart, to your desires. Father, I pray, Lord, that your word truly be living and be powerful, God, that it will speak to us, that it will shape us. Father, today I pray that you just ignite something in our hearts that moves us closer to you. Help us to look to you, help us to hope in you. God, help us just to rest in you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you just draw us closer to you, and God, that you give us the desire. God, you give us the want. God, give us the words to speak, to, to pray with intention, to pray with a a sense of connection. God, I pray that after today, Lord, that we find a moment and a place, God, that our prayers can be meaningful, our prayers, our times of devotion to you can truly be an important life-sustaining reality in our everyday walk. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you do these things. God, that you speak in spite of me, your Holy Spirit move. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we worked out of Romans uh, chapter 6 um, last week, and that's what we're going to uh, kind of uh, hit again today, just a couple points, and then we're going to jump to 1 John. Uh, so if you've got your scriptures, you can go ahead and uh, open up to Romans chapter 6, and then put your finger on 1 John chapter 3. Those are kind of the main texts that we're going to be in today as we look at the importance of prayer. Uh, last week I talked about, we mentioned that we talked about the importance of of scripture Um, and so uh, hopefully with that we jump into this day with a deeper sense and deeper understanding that scripture is alive, scripture has meaning and purpose and that it's something that speaks to us on a regular basis and so um, we're going to just go ahead and jump into Romans chapter 6 and just work through the text here and uh, and, uh, allow God just to speak to us. In Romans chapter 6 I'm reading out of the message translation for this and it's going to be in verse 13 that I'm going to be starting. Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly in full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Verse 14, sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So since we're out from the under, under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourself to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourself to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started to listening to a new master, one whose command sets you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm not using this freedom language because it's, I'm using, sorry, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. 
You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just doing what you just felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your life's healed in expansive holiness. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you recall that, or do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. And where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you're found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. And you've discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for your sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. This message translation, it says it this way, as a disciple, we are to throw ourselves into God's way of doing things. The New Living Translation says, completely give yourself to God. Now, these are things that we as followers of Christ, as what we uh, kind of walked through a little bit last week as disciples of Christ, that's what we are supposed to do. We are completely supposed to throw ourselves into the things of God. What does God have for us? What does he want us to do? Where he wants us to go? How he wants us to talk? How he wants us to treat others, how he wants us to act. We're to throw ourselves into the things of God and say, I want your way of life. I don't want my way of life. And for us now, if we're all honest, right, that can be a challenge because we all like our way of life, right? We have our ideas of what we should do. We have our ideas of what we should say to the person that just cut us off in front of us, right? While we're driving down the road, right? We know what our response should be, right, to the cashier at the grocery store that's being really rude to you, right, and just chucking your bananas into the bag, right? You, you know how you want to respond. You, you, you've got your way that you want to do things, but there is this distinct way of what God wants us to do and the life that he wants us to live. And, and, and there is this challenge, there's this difficulty of how do I do that? How do I stay committed to that? How do I follow this life that God has for me? And it's what we, talk, it's what we call discipleship. It's this process of us growing, learning, knowing what God has for us and stepping into those and saying it's a process. I'm not going to be perfect day one, right? But I know that every day I'm becoming more and more perfect. I'm becoming more and more like Christ. And there's this growing in him and growing in our understanding of who he is and what he wants us to do. That is the journey. That's the life of a Christian. And so what we started talking about last week is, is how do we do this? How, how do we navigate this life that God has for us? And how do we step into that? What we talked about as, as, as a church is, is that we have what we call the 12 pathways. Now, we call them pathways because we believe they're, 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 they're roads, if you will. They're paths, right? They're pathways that you step on that, that allow you and that direct you and guide you. They give you direction. They help you to know where you're going, where to start, and ultimately where you're going to end up, right? And so those are the pathways that we have. Now, we believe that there's many more pathways that we have in Scripture, and Scripture gives us many different ways to discover who God is, discover his character, discover what he wants for us, how to grow in him. But we've narrowed it down to 12 broad pathways that we believe if these things are actively working in your life, that as you you are giving them more attention and giving them more devotion, that these things are going to help you to become more and more like the person Jesus wants you to be, more and more like him instead of more and more like yourself. And, and oftentimes you can find in life 
I know in my own journey uh, in life, you know, it's easy for Michelle to hold me accountable because when Jamie starts being Jamie and gets a little bit mouthy sometimes and starts having an attitude and different stuff, it's easy for Michelle to be like, so you haven't been praying a lot lately, have you? And I'm like, shut up, right? You know, she's like, how's that time going and reading scripture? And I'm like, just stop, all right, all right? Because if, if there's these things, if I'm not walking, I'm not giving myself to the discipline of spending time in God's word, spending time in his presence, if I'm not giving myself to, to spending time in fellowship with other people, if I'm not giving myself and spending time in fasting and seeking God, that if I'm not regularly committed to these things that God has given us as ways to connect with him and discover him, that I'm becoming more focused on myself instead of focused on the things of God, right? You guys with me on that? And so we talked about the importance of scripture, that scripture is, is not just something that we have that we say, okay, yeah, maybe I should read scripture or maybe I shouldn't. But we talked about as a follower of Christ that scripture should be something that we absolutely love, that we look to, that we, that we when we're reading it, that we believe it is God speaking to us. It's not just an, an idea. It's not just something that we say, okay, I can take this or that. But in its entirety, it is what God intended for all of time to speak to us, to guide us, direct us. As his word says, it is a light unto our feet. That when we're going through life, that when we're spending time in scripture, that it, it, it shows us where we should be going and it shows us what's in front of us and what God wants us to be focused on. Scripture talks about how it's, it's a, a two-sided sword that it goes through, and we talked about this last week, that it, that it goes through and it, it separates our intentions, right? That we can have an intention, oh, this is the reason that I'm going to do this. Here's the reason that I'm going to take this job, or here's the reason I'm going to get this car. And we've got our intentions, we've got our reasons, right? And, and when we spend time in Scripture, whatever our intentions are, as it's, it's, we're going through and we're reading it, God uses it to separate our intentions from our realities, right? It focuses us and it shows us, no, this is what you're really thinking, here's what you really want, right? And it gives us a second to stop and pause and say, that's right, I'm wanting me more than I'm wanting you. And I, I care more about what I'm focused on instead of what you're focused on. And it gives us a sense just to say, okay, I'm keeping in the direction that God has for me. I'm keeping him in perspective in what he has for me. And so as, as we were talking about this, we walked through and we said, okay, so, so scripture is important. So why is it important to me if I'm a Christian, if, if, if that is? And so we kind of walked through what a Christian is and, and, and talked a little bit about that. Um, at length, and so I'm not going to go through that list completely today, but I just want to add to that. The first one we did say is, is that I'm not going to break this one down completely, is that a Christian is a disciple, which is a person who follows Jesus. Another, another mark of a Christian, and, and there's a reason that I want to distinguish these things, because, because as we go through and say, you know, should I be reading, reading the Bible, should I be spending time in prayer, um, you know, what, what does this all mean for me? is that we can get into habits and we can find good things that are to be done, whether it's reading scripture or praying, but if we have no intention of being a Christian, a devoted follower of Christ, an adherent, that we read God's word so that that word can shape and tell me what to do, right? If my intention is, is like, okay, I'm supposed to read the Bible, so I'm going to read the Bible, then that is, that's not necessarily a Christian. That could be more along the lines of just being a religious person, just being a good person, right? We, we don't want morality. We want 
Christ-centeredness, right? We, we want to be followers of Christ, that he is the one that establishes the life that we're supposed to live, model, and chase after. Not just, okay, I want some good principles. You guys following me on that? So we want to be a disciple. We want to be somebody who follows Jesus. And I want to add to that this week that a person who knows Jesus, a person who is a Christian, is a person who stands in awe and wonder at the fact that you are a child of God. That you're a child of God. And so we're going to break this down a little bit uh, today. And what does this look like in the idea and the concept of prayer? So last week had a number of questions that I asked you guys and that we just talked about uh, and different things. And so sometimes that's the best way for me to learn is just to ask questions, right? And I'm, I'm a question asker. Anybody else with me? Question askers, you just ask a lot of questions. I don't know if you've had the same journey that I have. That, that gets you in a lot of trouble, doesn't it? Right? You ever notice like you're in trouble a lot in class because you ask questions, right? I remember one time in the eighth grade, uh, Miss Brophy, um, she uh, was my English teacher, uh, liter- literature teacher, and, and all those things. And, and I just asked questions. Eighth grade was a rough year for me because there was a lot, it was a transition in education, you know, and different things in, in life. And, and, and for where I was in the small little town I was, eighth grade was the beginning of high school, right? And so you went from elementary to high school, and it was a, an abrupt journey, all right? And so, so I'm there, and I've just got all these questions, right? And so I remember sitting in, in English class, and Ms. Brophy would be talking about stuff, and I would start asking questions, and she just did not like questions, because it was Ms. Brophy's time to inform us of all of her wisdom, right? And, and just to give us all of that, and we should just shut up and just take in and be like, woo, wow, she's amazing, right? And so, and, and, but I had questions, right? And she just did not like it. And so she eventually rearranged the entire room, and there was these bookshelves that she had all across the back of the wall and the bookshelf she made over here like in the corner she made temporary walls out of the bookshelves and put my desk back there right so I was like separated from the entire class right and so she couldn't see my hand if I had questions and so I was just back there so I just had to yell out my questions through the books instead of raising my hand right and so uh, but I I like questions because it helps me to learn right and and so I you know we went through a little bit last week at length you know what is a Christian what does that look like and 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 why would I consider myself a Christian and 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 so we talked about that and why why do I need to read scripture is it something that I should be doing and we talked about yes it is something that we should be doing. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So yes, I should be reading scripture because it equips me, it prepares me, it helps me, it directs me, it shapes me. So then, should we regularly as Christians spend time in prayer? Should we spend time in prayer? Now, last week, I asked you this about scriptures, so I'm going to ask you again. How many of you guys, you just look forward to your times in prayer? Like how many times you just like, it's easy, I love praying, Celeste, of course, raise your hands, all right? Uh, <laughs> all right, how, like, how, how many of you would say, you know what, sometimes prayer is a challenge, right? Sometimes it's a challenge. It's difficult for me. I'm unsure of how to enter in times of prayer, okay? How many say prayer is just uncomfortable sometimes, right? It's just uncomfortable because I say weird things, and I don't know if I'm talking to the stove or if I'm talking to God or right and you're just a little bit uncomfortable right all of us can find ourselves in that place that just like okay I I believe and I've been taught that prayer is important but yet I find myself in this place unless you're Celeste right where it's a little bit uncomfortable sometimes right or it's a little bit difficult or I, I just I just don't know if I want to pray 
And so the question for us is, should we pray? It's a relevant question for every one of us, right? Because it's a question of not just like, okay, should I pray? I know yes or no, but should I pray? I, I know I should, but why do I pray? And why, if I answer the question of why do I pray, then there's this question of how do I pray, right? Because I don't want to just get up and say, oh, I know I'm supposed to. And then you just get up and you do something. You're like, okay, well, that was just utterly pointless, right? And I just feel awkward. I'm glad that nobody else was here, right? <laughs> because that would just been weird, you know? And, but it's not just the sense that we should pray, but it's the sense of why do we pray and how do we pray? Okay? So if we go through scripture again, let's just look at it. Let scripture lead us and guide us, right? And tell us whether or not we should pray. I'm going to move this chair because if not, I think I'm getting ready to knock it over. All right. Which I've done before and it's awesome. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Right? It's telling us, hey, we should seek the Lord. We should spend time in prayer. We should, in a regular, on a regular basis, that we should seek the Lord, that we should seek his strength, that we realize that acknowledge that it's him that we need, that he has a strength that is beyond us. He has a wisdom that he is beyond us. He has a knowledge that's beyond us, that I want to seek him because I know that answers can be found in him. I know that hope can be found in him. So I'm to seek him and his strength and I'm to seek his face, that, that he's real, that he's present, that he's a God that can be known and he's a God that wants to be known. That I'm not just seeking some distant, just, uh, just God that doesn't care. I'm not just seeking a myth. I'm, not seeking, I'm seeking a real, loving, personal God that wants to be in relationship with me. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. They should always pray. Jesus went through and he talked to his disciples. You go through, you go through the gospels and look at what Jesus did and, and how Jesus led his disciples. He regularly did things to teach them and to show them, hey, prayer is important and not only is it important, it's something that you should devote yourselves to. Jesus woke up on a regular basis before the sun was even up and he was off and had been praying for a long time and the disciples would wake up finally and pull the crusties out of their eyes and try to find Jesus and they would find him intimately connecting with his father. Jesus was modeling that prayer is not just something that we should do, but prayer is this life. It's something that should be uh, committed to us. It's something that we should say, I have to spend time in prayer. In Philippians chapter four, verse six, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And there's so many more scriptures that I could go through, but those scriptures alone can show us right there. Should we pray? Yes, we should pray. Right? It's something that we know we should do. But now let's move further into the how do we pray and why do we pray. All right? Now, for me, as I look at these questions... I think they're really, if we want to be honest, and I think this is what happens sometimes as a follower of Christ is, is that we try to separate those questions and we, and we, want, them to be inter, we want them to be interdependent and we want to say, okay, if I can figure out the, the, the why I should pray, then I'm going to figure out the how or vice versa, however you are built, all right? And, and so you, you go through and you look at this, if I can figure this out, then I'm going to figure out the other one. But, but the truth of the matter is, is I think they're one in the same question. 
The, the why and the how are not separate. They're not, they're not interdependent. They're actually something that are they're, they're very intertwined. They're necessary. They're needed in each other. That if we answer the one, then we begin to understand both of them. So how and why are the same. And so we're going to look through this a little bit today. And, of course, I had a moment yesterday that happened, and I, I love this. I can always count on my kids to help me have a, a story and illustration in my sermon, right? And uh, I just love how God uses them. And, um, and I'll talk a little bit about this here at the end of the sermon of, of why that matters. But uh, yesterday, um, uh, Ryland, she had a birthday party that she was going to go to. It was a birthday party that was scheduled for the beginning of December. And it got canceled because a little girl came down with the flu. And this is like her first like personal best friend that she's had, right? It's a school friend and they're like besties, you know? And, um, and it's not somebody that we're just like, hey, you go to church with this family and they become friends because we're friends. It's like, it's her friend, you know what I'm saying? And she's very like excited about this person, right? And this person's very excited about her, right? And, and uh, she came to Rylan's birthday party and it was funny watching them together, you know? And, and uh, they just talk about each other all the time. She's just always, always going on about Tegan, right? And all this different stuff. And so uh, her birthday party got canceled, which was just devastating to Rylan. You know, she took it personally, you know, and just like girls always do. And I'm just kidding. And so... Um, <laughs> And so, you know, she was just like, oh, and so finally got rescheduled, and she was so excited. And so uh, yesterday, um, we just had a thousand things going on, and so Noelle was actually going to take Ryland to the party um, so that, that way she could go and not miss it. And so Ryland, I mean, just from 8.30 in the morning, you know, it's just like, when's Noelle going to be here? When's Noelle going to be here? When's Noelle going to be here? Right? Parents, are you with me, right? You know those moments, right? And it's just like, Ryland, just calling, she's going to be here in two hours, Okay. How long's two hours, right? It's two hours, right? Well, how long is that? It's 120 minutes. Well, how long is that? Oh my goodness, right? So I go through this all the time with Ryland, so we've broken it down, and so I'm just like, just be patient, please, okay? When there's an hour left, I'll let you know, right? When there's a half hour left, I'll let you know. Well, how long is that, right? And so then finally we just break, okay, it's two TV shows, all right? <laughs> if, if you watch two TV shows, and the amount of time it would take you to watch two shows, Noel will be here. Right? And so she's like, okay. All right? So she finally she came through and she came out. She's like, how much longer? And I was like, half hour, Ryland. She'll be here in a half hour. Okay? She's like, well, how long is the half hour? It's one TV show. Just one TV show. She's like, oh, okay. So she runs in there. She turns the TV on and she starts watching the show. She found on Netflix the shortest possible show that she could watch. Right? So she goes through and it's like literally 10 minutes goes by. And she comes back. She goes, my TV show is over. Where's Noelle at? Right? And I'm like, that's not how it works, Riley. <laughs> you don't get to dictate time by your TV shows, right? I'm trying to use the TV shows to illustrate time to you, right? Are you trying? What? <laughs> just go watch another show, right? <laughs> but in that moment, I just started laughing. And I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, that's how we approach prayer a lot of times. That, that prayer for us, the, the how and the why gets confusing because we know that we should, right? And, and, but yet the, the reason into why we pray, we, we look at it for the wrong reason and the wrong intention. And so we just get lost on it. Now, now let me step back from that just a little bit to kind of further explain this this way. So for Rylan, right, she's trying to understand time, Right? Time is something that's just beyond her because she's never had to care about it, right? Well, now she's starting to step into this place where the time is affecting her life, right? 
And so for each one of us, time is a reality that we have to deal with. Time is present, right? It's something that is asked of us to deal with. Like there's nothing we can do about it, right? Time is time, right? We've done everything we possibly can to shorten some things, right? That's the invention of the microwave, which I think is killing everybody, but whatever, right? So we just go through and used to took 30 minutes to cook something. Now it takes two minutes, right? But there's still two minutes, right, that we have to wait. Time is present. It's there. It's something that we have to deal with. And so it's a reality that is in front of us. It's a reality that's in front of us, and it's the same way. It's the same way in prayer. It's a reality. It's, it's there. It's something that we know that we should do, and it's something at the same time that's asked of us. It's something that's present. It's something that's there. And our, our trying to deal with it, our trying to figure out what is prayer, what is this, and how does it work, and all those different times, sometimes we approach it with this mindset of, let me just make it this, and it'll just fix everything. Let me, let me just do this with it, and, and then all of a sudden, it's just going to be exactly what I want it to be. And we get lost in what prayer is really supposed to be and what it's really intended to be. See, for us, it's not this issue for us to go through and to say, okay, man, all right, let me figure out this how, all right? If I implement these 12 steps, then it's just going to change my prayer life. Let me tell you, there's some things that you can do. There's, there's some disciplines we're going to talk about in a little bit that can help you to develop kind of a, a, a heart for, a desire for, or a routine for that gives you some comfort in prayer. But if you try to take it and say, man, if I do these 12, then it's not going to work for you, right? If you try to say, well, if I got this going on in my life and I just need this fixed. And so because I need this fixed, then I'm going to go pray. And so then you're just like, God, I just need you to fix that. You're going to find yourself probably more frustrated and, and distant from God instead of connecting to God. Because you're looking for prayer to be the thing that fixes everything. And that may or may not be the intention of the prayer in the moment. Right? Are you guys tracking with me still? All right. So here's what we're going to do to help us kind of walk through this a little bit. We're going to turn to 1 John. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 24. I know today I've got a number of scriptures I'm reading at length, but if you can be patient with me, I'm telling you, these are, these are life-giving. We just talked about the importance of scripture last week, so you're good with it, right? Verse 24, thanks for that <laughs> laugh, I appreciated that. I didn't appreciate that one. All right, verse 24. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he has promised. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are children of God. Now if we go through and we look at the scripture 
and we begin to kind of break it down and look at it, we're going to use these to kind of help us, and in, in starting in chapter 3, to help answer the why and the how and see how they are the same. As you go through and look at the scripture here, in, in starting in verse 24, it says, so you must remain faithful. And then again, it says in verse 27, remain in fellowship with Christ. We lose some nuance in our language, um, in the limitations of the English language here in this translation. The first time it says it in verse 24, it says remain. What it is saying there is to rest, just to be at ease, just to feel like, okay. I'm here, right? How many of you guys, you got your happy place, right? You just go to, right, in moments of stress or whatever else, you just go and you just know in that moment and in that place, you're good, right? Everything's okay, right? Nothing can touch you, right? That's what it's saying, right? <laughs> I see a lot of moms just like, yes, I have that place, all right? <laughs> and so you, you go and that's, that's your place. It's to say, just remain, just rest. Have this place where you can just go and just know that you are with God and just know that everything's okay. But then in verse 27, it's saying remain. It's saying it as not something that's indicative. It's not something, just the first part is just like, hey, because you're, you're God's and because you're in fellowship with him, you get just to remain. You just get to be at rest. But in verse 27, it comes out as a command. It comes out as a challenge that you are to remain in Christ. You're to remain in Christ and you're to remain in fellowship with him. So prayer for us as followers of Christ is not so much just like, okay, how do I pray? Why do I pray? It's both. And it's both in this way that if we look at the scripture and we understand what it's saying, it's it's say, why do we pray? We pray to remain in fellowship with him. I want to remain in fellowship with him. I want this sense of I know that I'm in fellowship with God, but I want to remain in fellowship. And I want just to know what it is to be in that place of rest, to be in that happy place with God, right? And, and so I pray so that I can stay in that place. I stay so that I can be there with God. Why do I pray? Because because. We are in fellowship with him. So I pray to remain in fellowship with him. And I pray because we are in fellowship with him, right? It's the sense that I get to talk to God. Like I get to talk to the creator of the universe. I get to spend time with a God who created the most imaginative things that we're still discovering today. The God that is so powerful that the entire earth is his footstool. The God who spoke the stars into existence. That God, I get to be with him. I get to hang out with him. I get to talk to him about what's going on in my life. And I get to hear him speak to me about his dream for me, his desires for me. I get to have that God say, hey, watch out for that. Don't go that way hey you made a mistake here go back and here's how you can fix it I get to be in fellowship with God I get to spend time with him and know him how do I pray I pray as if I were in fellowship with God right why do I pray because I'm in fellowship with God right how do I pray because I'm in fellowship with God right I pray as if I'm talking to a guy that I have relationship with I pray as if he wants to hear me. I pray as if he cares about what I'm saying. I pray as if he is my father, that I I am his child and, and that I'm in relationship with him, that I'm connected with him. And so the why and the how, they bleed together because they're one and the same. Why do I pray? Because I get to be in fellowship with God and I get to lift up all things with him. How do I pray? I talk to him like I'm in fellowship with him. Are you guys tracking with me? Is this making sense? How do we pray? We pray as if our fellowship with him is dependent upon our prayers, 
right? Now think about this. If you've got a friend, I don't know, some of you, like for me, like I can think of, I, just even the other day, I saw somebody post something on Facebook. Uh, there's this person trying to get a, a high school reunion together. And, and so I did the quick math last night. And I was like, holy cow, this is my 17th year reunion. I was like, that's just ridiculous. I should not be that old, right? And, uh, and so I just sit there. And so I started thinking about the people that I went to school with. And there's so many people that if I was to show up, I would have no clue who they are right? I mean, just absolutely no clue, but yet their names still ring true to me, right? Because, I mean, those are like, you know, years that I spent with people in my most formative age of life, right? And so those people, like, their names still mean so much to me, but who they are as a person, I don't really know them anymore. Why? Because there's distance between them, right? Like, I haven't, I haven't in 17 years thought about some of the people that I saw on that Facebook page, right? I haven't thought of it. So like they're a complete stranger to me. But 17 years ago, they were my world. Does that make sense? The amount of time that I spend thinking about those people directly affects how close I am to those people and the impact they have on my life. I talked to yesterday, I talked to a friend of mine who has moved to Salt Lake City and he's a youth pastor out there. And we haven't been uh, together in over a year. We haven't hung out in over a year. But when I picked up the phone and I spoke with him, it was as if we were just hanging out yesterday, right? He's all the way across the country, living in Salt Lake City and doing ministry there, and I'm all the way over here on the East Coast where God's favorite is, right? And I'm over here, and, and I'm doing life, but yet there's a still sense of connection, there's a still the sense of fellowship, why? Because even when I'm not talking with him, I'm still thinking of him. Right? I, I, we, we reminisce. I was playing Sequence, the board game Sequence. I don't know if you ever played that. It's a fantastic game, right? Uh, so me and Brain, we were playing that the other night. Me and Eric, we played that game all the time together, right? It was one of our favorite games. We would dominate our wives in that game, right? And it was just fun, right? So we were playing that game. I was thinking about Eric. I was thinking about our relationship. I thought about him, right? And then I took some moment and some time to connect with him and talk with him on the phone. There's still relationship even though there's distance, Right? Our idea of who God is, that God wants to be in fellowship with us, that God wants to be connected to us. He wants to be present with us. If I look at that and I say, wow, that is true, that is real, that's a reality, it's present, it's there, then it moves me into this place of saying, I want to be with him, I want to talk with him, I want to think of him. And the more that I talk of, to him, the more that I spend time with him, the more that I think of him, guess what? The stronger my relationship and my fellowship is with him. The less time I spend talking with him, the less time I spend thinking of him, the more distant I become, and less and less and less and less important is my walk with God. So why do I pray and how do I pray? Because I'm in fellowship with God, because I am connected to him, because he's connected to me, he cares about me. Jesus came so that I can be in relationship with him, right? That's why I'm connected with him, and that is why I need to pray. Our desire, our understanding to be in fellowship with him, it moves us to this place of being in his presence. Rylan, I, I, the other night, she's been doing a lot of stuff. A lot of times Braden, just in his goofiness, gives me a lot of sermon illustrations. But Rylan, just in her sweetness, sometimes she just gives these moments where I'm just like blown away. One of my things that I pray for almost every single night is, is God, thank you so much for just revealing your, revealing your love and your grace to this sweet little girl. Because just in our relationship, I get this new understanding of how easy it is 
for God just to love us and for God just to cherish us, right? And, and so the other day, Ryland all the time, I love it. It, it builds my ego is one of the reasons I love it. But Ryland, she, she loves me. She thinks the world of me. I'm her hero, right? And so she runs around the house all the time just singing songs about me, right? And she's just like, my daddy's the greatest. My daddy's better than anybody else in the world, you know? And then, and then she goes, you know, my daddy loves me so much. And she starts saying all these things. And then they get super ridiculous. And she starts laughing at herself, right? And then we all start laughing at her goofy laugh and so um so she's just doing this and then every once in a while uh, she just does super sweet where she just wants to snuggle with me and she's like daddy I just want to be with you I just want to sit in your lap right I just I just want to connect with you the other night she was sitting there and I was at the table and I was just working on some stuff and she said hey daddy and I said what she goes can I dance for you and I was like of course right I would love that and she just disappears right she disappears and then she comes back like 15 minutes later and she's wearing her Elsa dress right and she's, she's like, all right, Daddy, I want to dance for you. And I was like, okay. And so I put on, you know, Pharrell's happy song, right? Because she loves dancing and whatever else. And she's like, no, 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 I don't want that. I want, I want a princess song, right? So I, I put on, unfortunately, right, let it go, right? And so the Frozen song, right? I was like, maybe she wants to dance to that. And she's like, no, no, I don't want that song. I don't want that song. And so finally we find this this song, and it's this amazing, you know, just, this, it's really intended to be a love song, and, and start, you know, she goes, yeah, yeah, that, 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 and so, so she starts doing that, and she's just dancing, and she's just so intentional about her moves, and it was so cute, because it was so just not a dance of any form, right, she's just kind of like, you know, just kind of like this, or whatever else, but she was just lost in the sense that she's just like, I love my dad so much, and I just love being around him, that it just moves me to do things. It just moves me to express my love to him. It just moves me to say, I love you, and I just want to be free in you. I just want to be connected to you. And in that moment, I started crying. And I started weeping because I was just like, oh my God, that's the way it's supposed to be me and my father. That I move in this place that prayer for me shouldn't just be this, this, okay, I'm supposed to do it. But I do it because I'm in fellowship with God and I just want to be with him. I want to be free with him. And it moves me to the sense of just saying, God, I just want to be with you. I just want to talk with you. God, because I'm in fellowship with you. I'm connected to you. Your relationship matters to me. It is a life source to me. It is breath to me. That we should be free and just caught up in it. So that is the how and the why of how and why we pray. First John chapter 3. Let's move on and we're going to wrap it up with this. First John chapter 3 and verse 1. You guys made me cry. Thanks. You're like used to it. First John chapter 3. Verse 1. John's going through as he's talking. He's like, remain in fellowship with Christ in chapter 2. He's like, remain in fellowship with Christ. And you can just hear him building up. He's remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you'll be confident, right? Since we know that Christ is righteous, we know that all who do what is right are God's children. And in verse 3, he says, look, see, right? A lot of translations, older translations, they say, behold, our English Translation, again, struggles with this a little bit. We put an exclamation point here at the end to kind of try to capture this. But John just loses himself. John's just like, look, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. In John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 here, we see 
the reason and the how and the why, we see them begin to even blend together that we are in fellowship with God. But not only do we know him, not only are we known by him, but we are his. This sense of I'm in fellowship with God, I just want to be connected with him. It moves John to this place that he just loses his marbles and he's just like, look at this, look, see, we are God's children, we're his. Do you understand it? He just begins just to to emote, just begins to say, look at this, look how awesome God is. We are his children, do you get it? Like we're not just sitting there just saying, okay, yep, that's mine, great, woohoo, right? No, he's saying that's my child. That's mine, and it doesn't matter who we are and what we're doing and how we're living life, as long as we're living for him and our eyes are him. He says, that is mine. I love that child. I think of Braden the other night, right? Again, I've talked about this last week, so I feel okay to talk about it again, even though I got mad about it, but his basketball team, right? They're horrible at basketball. His entire team is, and he's not very good at it either, right? And so he was out there, but he's trying so stinking hard, and he's doing so much. Like in that moment, I don't just go, oh, wow, that's my son, right? In that moment, I'm standing there as the coach, right, with my clipboard and my badge on, and I'm just sitting there, and I forget about all the rest of the kids on the court, right? I'm seeing things that Brain could do, and I'm like, he's my child, and so the game's going on. I'm like, Brayden, stand right here on the sideline. Listen, next time, here's what you need to do, right? I believe in you. You can do this thing. He's my child. I claimed him. I didn't look at him in shame, but I made him mine. And I said, I want to help you. I want to support there. I want to be with you. You are my child. I care about you. I elevate you. I focus on you. And I want you to be who you dream to be. And I want you to go beyond that because I have bigger dreams for you. That is who God is. He's our father. We are his children. That he comes to us and he embraces us. He walks next to us. He stands at a distance and allows us the space that we need so that we can learn. He goes ahead of us so that he can protect us and keep us from things that can harm us. That is our God. We are his children. He is our father. That should be something that stirs faith in us. That says, I'm his child. Look at this. Behold. Look. I'm his how and why we praise because we're in fellowship with God. The amount of time that we spend focused and committed to saying, God, I just want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. It determines how intense, it determines how real, it determines how practical our relationship with is with God. If we think we can be distant and just say, okay, God is a God that's there on Sunday and maybe if Jamie does an okay job, I can hear from God, right, on Sundays. To God is a real God who is a personal God, who is a God that is in fellowship with me, that wants to speak to me at all times, all moments, and cares deeply about me. And not only that, but I'm his child. I'm not just known by him. I don't just know him. I begin to see that I am his child. And all of a sudden, it just makes sense and just explodes in me. It's like oftentimes when you're putting something together. We all probably, maybe as parents, some of us, right, just experience this at Christmas time. You're putting together a present. I, I promise you, I, I'm convinced that, that people uh, put things in the boxes. They intentionally leave pieces out. And then somehow they put a camera or something in the box that activates when you start putting things together. And there's people like in a factory somewhere. They're just like, oh, there's another one. Come on, let's watch this idiot. Come on, Ready? <laughs> And so you're going through and you're just like frustrated and you're trying to put stuff together and you're just like, ah. But then all of a sudden there's this moment, right, where you're just like, oh, that's it. Oh, that piece, right? That's what I need. And all of a sudden you're just, oh, and then you're just focused and you're just putting things together. You were chucking stuff, right? Nobody dared to enter the room now. 
right? You're just like, oh, God, I'm scared of this dude's home, right? And so but now you're just like, you're going through and you're putting things together and it's making sense to you. And, and your wife's looking at the instructions upside down because she's trying to figure it out. But you've got it. You've just got it all figured out together, right? And then you get the whole thing together and there's still one piece left over. And you're like, eh, that's not important, right? But it just makes sense. It just connects. You just start feeling it. You start flowing it. It should be the same way in our relationship with God that if we're a Christian, if we're somebody who's devoted to him, we're somebody who's aware of who he is, that there's this sense that we should just go, holy cow, it just all makes sense. I'm not just some person and he's not just some God, but he's my God. He's my father and I'm his child. And all of a sudden there should just be something that comes together and it clicks in such a way that it makes you just go, whoa, look at this. Did you know this? I am God's child. And it moves us and it motivates us to say, I want to be in his presence. And I not only just want to be in his presence to say, God, I just kind of, but it moves us into, as you go on to John, 1 John chapter 3, move further into it, go into his presence with boldness. Go in to speak and say, hey, listen, you are my God. I'm your child. Listen, I might be asking for something stupid. That's okay, right? Because I know that you're okay with that. And you're going to direct me. Kind. I'm not holding things tightly. The only thing I'm going to hold tightly is you. But I'm just going to come in your presence knowing that no matter what it is I need, that you can help me find what I really need. No matter what it is what I want, you can help me see if it's a priority or not. And you can shift me and you can change me. Because you're my God. You're my Father. You want what's best for me. You want what is right for me. You want what is, what is your intention and dream for me. You want those things for me. You care about me deeply. And it moves us to this place to say, God, I mean, I just want to be in your presence. It all just makes sense, and it begins just to explode in us. If the worship team can go ahead and come up. See, a Christian is a person who stands in awe and wonder at the fact that they are a child of God. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11 prophecy speaking of Jesus and it says when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish he will be satisfied Jesus was satisfied in going to the cross suffering all that he did going through all the anguish that he went through he was satisfied because he knew the result would be God's glory and our good he was satisfied in that does that make you stand in awe and wonder the God of the universe would give up his royalty, would give up his divinity, would come and humble himself to be a person, and then that person that would walk a life that was way beneath who he is and what he should have been and seen to be, and in that he died the death that he did not deserve. He died a cruel death. He died the death of a sinner. He died the death of a prisoner, of somebody who was held in wrong, even though he never did anything wrong. That he was satisfied in that because he knew that it would bring us into a place of relationship with God. John chapter 17, verse three. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know God, to get the knowledge of, to feel, to know, to understand that it just begins to make sense that God is yours and you are his. So how do we pray? 
We pray as children talking to their father who knows them, delights in them, and wants nothing but the best for them. Why do we pray? We pray because we are the children of the Most High God who listens, knows us, delights in us, and wants nothing but the best for us. How do we pray? We pray looking for understanding, knowing that He has it all worked out, and as long as we're looking to Him and for Him, we'll get where He wants us. Why do we pray? We pray because we're the children of God, and it is our place. It's our rest, our joy to be in His presence. I was going to get some practical things, but just for sake of time and just for what I feel like God wants us to do, we're just going to move past that. And if you're curious, you can talk to me about it some other time. But what I want to challenge us as a church is to move into a place where we see what we call the pathways, these disciplines that we know to be true, spending time in scripture, spending time praying, that we move past looking at them as something that we're supposed to do, but we move into a place where we say, this is something that we get to do. To the degree in which we stand in awe of who God is, it's a measure of our faith in Christ. See, if you go through and you look at these scriptures, you can really begin to see that John is really kind of going through and he's like saying, hey, listen, if you, if you stop and you think about this, this really can show you, are, are you in fellowship with God? Are you his or are you not? Because see, a person that is a follower of Christ, somebody that's made a vow of devotion and said, I'm yours and you are mine and you're my Lord, which means you get to tell me what to do and I'm all in for you. I'm following you. I want you to, to, to lead me and guide me. That person, when they sit there and they think about who God is, begins to move them to this place of awe and wonder. It moves them to this moments where you're sitting there and it should just be a normal moment where you and your daughter are just connecting and all of a sudden you start crying because you can't help but think about Jesus and his love for you. That it moves you to this place that when you're driving along in your car and then all of a sudden you hear a song on the radio and it's just this random song but all of a sudden God starts piecing these things together and you hear and, and feel Jesus' presence in your car and you're just moved and you're just like, but it's country, how is this even happening? I don't know, God can work through anything, right? And you're just sitting there and you're just like, ah. Oh. And a person of, a follower of Christ is somebody who is so in awe of him, so aware of the fact that you are his, that you're moved to action, that you want to be with him, that you want to remain in fellowship with him no matter what and through all things, that you want to talk to him at all moments. So I just want to challenge us as a church to move to, into a place where prayer is not something where we're just saying, man, you know what, it's an awkward thing and I don't know how to do it and I don't know why I should do it and, and all this thing. But we move into a place to say, you know what, why should I pray? Because I'm God's, I'm His. I'm in fellowship with Him. He wants to hear from me. So how do I do this thing? I just start talking to Him. Just start talking to Him about the smallest of things. Go through your day. You might feel silly, but go through it. It's like, you know what? You're rushed and you leave the house before you get to eat breakfast. Or you're going to decide to go to breakfast. God, where should I go for breakfast? Talk to him about the littlest of things. Put him first and say, God, I want you to lead me. I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be in connection with you. I want my life to matter. I want it to show. And I want to feel that I'm your child in all that I do. I promise you, prayer is going to begin to change for you. It's going to be something that no longer is a I must do, but it's a I get to do. And 
and I spend my days doing. Because when we're in that place and we're allowing God to speak to us in that way, it moves us and shapes us. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take some time and I want us to sing uh, one of the last songs that we sang just about God's presence. And I really want us to lift this song up as a prayer. I want us to lift our hands up and say, God, I want to be in your presence. God, I want to know. I want to know that you are my God. And I want to know that I'm your child. And, and I want to be committed to you. I want to follow you. God, I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I'm in awe of who you are. I want, to, I want to live my life saying, God, you're such a good God. You're such a holy God. And you want to be committed to him in everything that you do. So if you will, just stand with me and we're going to just take a few minutes just to sing the song and let it truly be a prayer in itself. Let it be something that moves you and allow God to begin to speak to you and reveal who he is and how present he really is with you. Oh my. 